Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being part of my journey. I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed in knowing that you all are out there. And I love talking to you. So I'm so glad to be here. So I want to tell you about an event in my life that profoundly affected me. And it was the best class that I think I have ever taken in my entire life. And it made me a better human being, not just a better teacher, but a better human being, a more fully present, alert human being. It was incredible. And this was the intensive at Shakespeare and Company. So I had taken a couple of shorter classes with Shakespeare and Company that had really fueled the way that I taught and the way that I structured my own company as it was starting to grow. But in May of 2001, I launched into a one-month-long intensive class where I had to live on campus at Shakespeare and Company for six out of seven days for four weeks running. Now, the preparation to be able to get to that place was incredible because I had to be leaving my kids for basically a whole month. So I called in every favor that there ever had amassed on my behalf. So my sister-in-law, Edie, although she was not happy with me at all, still because of separating from her brother, since I had taken care of her brand newborn baby for 10 days, way back when, when he had first been born, I called in that return favor and said, I did that for you. I need you to come and take care of my kids. So it was May and going into the end of June so I could sign up Edie for one of those weeks because her kids would be out of school in the South. They get out of school a little bit earlier to compensate for the hot weather. So Edie, Maddie, and Jake were coming up to stay with Savannah and Dakota for one of the weeks. And then my former mother-in-law as well was going to take the kids for one of the weeks. That left two weeks that I spread out between my own mom and Milbury as well. And I somehow pieced together childcare for an entire month. And Dave was going to take them for a week as well, of course. So... Childcare put all together, and then there was the leaving my house because, oh goodness, nobody can run my house the way that I do, right? Of course. So I had to make sure that every single thing that needed to be fixed or addressed or stocked up 
was ready and there were piles of extra dog food and cat food and and piles of extra supplies for the kids and all of the schedules were made so perfectly and the calendar was filled in and very clearly written in so that everybody knew what was going on. I knew in my head that it would be fine because all of the people who were coming to care for Savannah and Dakota were all people that loved them so much. But I am a control freak, okay? I'll say it, yes. (laughs) So I felt like I had to help them as much as possible. On the night before I left, Savannah and Dakota and I all slept in the same bed because they wanted to be as close to me as they possibly could for the last few hours that we would be together for a long time. And it's funny, you know, when they left me to go places with Dave, they didn't have the same feeling. But for the people that are left behind, I guess it's worse, right? I got out of bed early in the morning. I took a shower. I folded every last speck of laundry and stuff. And then they got up. And when it came time to say goodbye and I was driving away, they started chasing the car. And it was like heartbreaking. And I had to tell them, please, please don't. Please go back. So off I drove to the Berkshires and I arrived on campus, found my room. I had a roommate and we were immediately pulled into a very big, huge group voice class, which was so fun because we were just walking around this enormous space, kind of interweaving with each other. And we were guided to stop and have certain reactions to each other. This is an exercise called milling and seething, which I learned from Shakespeare and Company. And it's all about noticing who's in the room with you and coming face to face and seeing somebody's eyes and checking their expression and sharing a moment of interaction before you move on and then do it again. And then you switch directions and you vary the pace. And it gets the energy building up in the room. And it was a huge room full of people. There were 60 people in this intensive. And then something like 10 or 12 teachers who were also weaving in and out, trying to get to know us a little bit through participating in exercises with us. And then we had our first circle where we sat and went around the entire circle and did a check-in. Check-in is the thing that I always do on my very first circle, which is for each person to get a chance to say, hi, my name is Diana, and I come from Nyack, New York, and blah, blah, blah. Anything that you feel like you need to unload and get off your chest in order to be able to do the work that is ahead of you in terms of the rehearsal. So we had this massive check-in where everybody got to speak about 70 odd people around the circle. That was the biggest circle I have ever participated in. But it was so exciting. It was like story time. It was like hearing everybody's life stories, you know, (laughs) condensed into this thing because people were not, later check-ins get to be much more banal. Like, yeah, yeah, I feel good. I'm ready to go. But when people are meeting each other for the first time, they feel compelled, you know, to tell a few kernel important nuggets about their life. So we had that, and that was amazing. And then the teachers, with whatever information they had gleaned, met after we all left for dinner and such, and they organized us into basics classes, 
which were going to be a much smaller grouping, about 10 of us per teacher, wherein we would start working on one particular monologue that we had prepared and brought ready, memorized, and ready to work on. So I was in a basics class with a teacher named Dennis. And at first I was highly disappointed that I didn't get to be in Kevin's class because Kevin was my mentor from the other two times that I had been in Shakespeare and Company short classes, and I desperately wanted to work with him some more. So I had to get over that initial disappointment. And once I did, I realized what a gem Dennis was and how every teacher that I would encounter in the next few weeks brought every bit of their humanity to this work and shared themselves in a way that was incredibly generous and inspiring and unlike any other teacher, mentor, student interactions that I had ever had or really have ever had since, except at Shakespeare and Company. So I have a deep place of reverence for their work in my heart, in my life. So in any case, I was in basics class with Dennis and I, the monologue that I had prepared, I must admit, was either a lazy choice on my part or something that I just felt like I had to revisit in some way because it was a monologue that I had prepared long ago when I was 17 with my then acting coach and I had prepared this monologue in order to audition for colleges to get into the theater program, which I never did. And you can go back to some of the episodes from 1979 and hear more about that if you want to. But I never ended up doing that. And so I had shelved this monologue and not gone back to it. So when I was looking amidst all of my preparations of my house and my kids in order to be able to leave them, I kind of left this really essential piece till last. And then I thought, oh, okay, I'm just going to choose this monologue that I had already done. And it was a monologue from the Duchess of Gloucester talking about her dead husband from Richard II. And it was a monologue that at the time when I was doing it, when I was 17, I had not really connected to because I was 17-year-old and this woman was a married woman who had lost her husband of many years. So it was a strange one for us to choose anyway for me to work on because usually you want to have something that you feel very connected to personally. And so when I brought it back out, here I am now almost 40 in May of 2001. And I had had a husband and he was not dead, but he was not part of my life anymore. So working on this monologue anew started to bring up a lot of interesting things for me. And Dennis was a genius at really getting you to figure out what connection you have to this character and why, why you need to speak these words in particular. And at one point, I know he was helping me kind of loosen up parts of my body that were really tense while I was speaking. And he came over as I was talking and saying this last line about my dear Lord Thomas, my dear Lord Thomas. And Dennis said, what is your son's name? And I said, Dakota. And just the sound of his name right there where I was talking about someone who had died, I just started to weep. 
And that grief of the Duchess of Gloucester became very real for me because I was missing my son and my daughter. I was missing my kids so much. And that grief of being separated from them sat right in those lines. And it was an incredible experience. And since then, I have witnessed or experienced this so many times, but this was like a key opening a door that made me understand that, wow, Shakespeare is universal and there is a reason that you have to speak the lines that you chose for some reason. Someone might have assigned you a part and you might not know what it is, but there's a connection that is unmistakable. And it was wild. I was like tingling. I was on fire as I left that class. It was like I had been seeing only the color yellow and suddenly there was a rainbow. It was astounding. And I was so happy to be there despite all of the sacrifices that I had made to get there. So there's more to tell you about that. And I think it'll deserve one more episode because it was such a huge influence on me going forward for the next couple of decades. So I hope you'll enjoy this journey and I thank you for being here. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.